Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting two wonderful guests. First, I have Dawn Berry. She is Luna PBC's president and co-founder. She's an esteemed genomics thought leader and veteran of the San Diego biotech industry. She spent 12 years at Illumina Incorporated, including as the vice president of applied genomics and leading pioneering teams in preemptive health screening, nutrition security, and transplant diagnostics. Don was a co-founder of the Illumina Understand Your Genome Symposium, which is now owned by Genome Medical. From there, Don embarked on a new journey to reshape health research and engage individuals to advance science via their health data. She co-founded Luna DNA, a community-owned health and DNA data platform, and currently serves as the president of Luna B. PBC, a public benefit corporation who manages the Luna DNA platform. I also have Bob Kane with us today. He is Luna PBC's CEO and co-founder. Bob is a renowned pioneer in the field of genomics, spending most of his career growing Illumina Incorporated pre-IPO from 30 employees with no revenue to a burgeoning workforce of over 3,000 employees and $1.4 billion in revenue. Bob came out of retirement following a 15-plus year career as the chief engineering officer at Illumina to co-found Luna DNA, the same company with Don. And so it's a true privilege of having both of these thought leaders on the podcast and also business leaders to dive into their thoughts in this space. It's going to be a fun one and just want to give you both a warm welcome and an opportunity to fill in any of the gaps of your introduction on anything that I may have missed that you want to share with the listeners. Welcome. Thank you, Saul. No, that was perfect. Thanks, Saul. Great to be here. Outstanding. It's a pleasure to have you both here. Now, I'd love to hear from both of you. What got you into the medical sector? Hi. So I've been in genomics for a few decades, and most of that time was spent trying to reduce the cost of DNA sequencing in order to increase the scale and enable larger and larger studies. At some point around 2012, it became clear that the cost was going to break $1,000 a genome. And I and many others started looking at what were the other bottlenecks in enabling those large health discovery studies. We realized there were a couple of things involved with that. One was the siloing of data. Uh, large amounts of data are needed. And if they're stored in separate places, then that's a challenge. And the other is how individuals are engaged in order to get their health and uh, medical data personally from the individual. So 
Around a couple of years ago, a solution came up from another co-founder, David Lewis, and the solution was so compelling that I decided to come out of retirement and help form Luna PVC. And I've, I've always been motivated by the opportunity that you know everybody should have a clean bill of health. And so I've always been in genomics my whole career in this, this wonderful opportunity to leverage the organization and potential predictability of genomics to make healthcare more preventative, more predictive, and make healthcare more specific. So while Bob was working inside Illumina, making the data more affordable, faster, more accessible, my passion has always been bringing it to the individuals. And so breaking these silos, the idea of inverting the model and putting people at the center as the best curators of their health profile and giving them an opportunity to share that data for research was extremely compelling. And that's why we're here today. Love it. Truly fascinating work and the burning why behind both of your your reasons is 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 a tribute to really the success that you both have had in, in, in this sector. So definitely love that you shared that with us. I mean, Bob, it took you out of retirement and now you're back. So <laughs> it's a testament to the excitement, right? Right. Retirement is overrated. <laughs> yeah, it's boring. You don't want to retire. There's too many fun things happening in healthcare, and uh, and Don, your 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 love for bringing the technology to the patient, connecting the silos, is something that really resonates with us at the Outcomes Rocket and and what we do. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, and you know, it could be Don or, or Bob. Either one of you could take this one. What's a hot topic that needs to be on health leaders' agenda today, and how are you all addressing it at Luna PBC? So a hot topic, whether it's healthcare or beyond, is is truly data stewardship and specifically who owns the data, what does control of the data mean, what are the opportunities and challenge. And and like I said, it's everywhere from healthcare to your consumer data to your Facebook data, et cetera. And but as it relates to healthcare data, you know, this idea, it's it's kind of a scary one that that data is the new oil. And we, we really want to work against that. So oil, the analogy is that it's scarce, it's finite, only the wealthy have it, and it's a symbol of power. We, we really need to invert that idea as well. At Luna, we believe data is plentiful. What's not plentiful is the proper aggregation and organization of that data. And that's a challenge we're here to solve. It also should be used frequently. You can ask infinite questions of data, especially properly organized and aggregated data. It is accessible, especially as we invert our thinking and and recognize people with the opportunity to own and control their data. And frankly, as a symbol of power, we need to put that power in the hands of individuals and allow them to permission their data for the greater good in our case of research. And so really thinking about proper data stewardship for optimal social impact, the ability to protect the privacy of those individuals, but allow an opportunity to keep that data connected to the individual presents an awesome opportunity to reshape how we think about research so we can start getting into patient reported outcomes and real world data and continuous data streams so that we're not always studying what happened, what broke, but we can have an opportunity to see when things change so that in fact, we can start discovering more predictive biomarkers or digital biomarkers of health. And so data stewardship should be on every medical leader's mind, every, every institution that's holding data and say, are we, are we doing the best we can to impact society with our data stewardship models? Yeah, some interesting commentary there, Don. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I love that you took us deeper into this, this snippet that you hear a lot and see a lot, you know, that data is the new oil. 
it's very surface level and and you obviously have have given this deep thought so i appreciate you adding some some distinctions there to this idea and really highlighting that it's the opposite that's true bob i'd i'd love to hear from you maybe some examples of how the company is creating results and improving outcomes by doing things differently. We are early in our existence, and um, we just were qualified by the SEC in December to offer stock shares in return for data. So data is considered now a currency by the SEC in our offering. So that in itself is a breakthrough. It's interesting, yeah. Additionally, another breakthrough is that we're really helping to change the paradigm on how we think about data. The idea that all of us individually provide unique value to discovery and that we need to band together in order to really mine that value at a high level and to be able to get the missing information in the database is a new paradigm that it's starting to catch on. We were founded on that about 18 months ago. And if you look around at a number of other companies, that message is really starting to resonate. It's resonating, for instance, with rare disease foundations. And so we signed an alliance with the Genetic Alliance or a partnership, and we are now gonna take over the management of their patients' data. So they recognize that the data is not at theirs and that the management, the stewardship, the organization of the data is an activity that is necessary to drive discovery. However, if we can take it over for them, that means that their members will receive stock shares. That burden will come off of their shoulders and that data will be used for other greater good activities down the line. Bob, that's very fascinating. And, and uh you think of, of the management of, of data and typically, you know, you don't think of that as something outsourceable, something that, that you think an organization should dive deep and, and do themselves. But the reality is that not everybody that is an expert in healthcare is an expert in data management. So I think it's, uh, it's fascinating that you guys have begun to do this. And in particular, the SEC approval for data as currency. What else can you tell us about that? I mean, that, that I think Many listeners, including myself, are, are, are being introduced to this idea, and I think it'd be worth diving in maybe a little bit deeper. Sure. So the idea is that our personal data is worth something, and we own it, and we should get attribution if we are going to contribute it. And so we went to the SEC and requested that they recognize the value of that data and that we were qualified in order to provide stock shares for certain types of data. So we have a table of multiple different types of data, whether it's EHR records, wearable information, your human genome sequence, or your microbiome sequence. Each of those has a value that we have assigned to it. And when individuals contribute that data and consent that data to be used at a population level securely for studies, then they receive those stock shares. Those stock shares will then help us calculate dividends. And so we'll use the stock shares to understand when money's made in commercializing this data with pharmaceutical companies, for instance, how to calculate the dividends that will flow back to our community. I think it's brilliant. What a fascinating topic to discuss and kudos to you and the team over there for, for thinking this up. Can you share a time when there was a setback and, and Don or Bob, either one of you can take this one, what you learned from that setback and how it's helped the company today? Yeah, so we, you know, early in 2018, what I love about this team is we're always focused on what are we trying to achieve and recognizing tools as the how you get there. And so operating from what we want to achieve, we wanted to fix historical issues of imbalance of value with data usage. So people feeling like they're not cut into the value created from their data. And there's been tremendous value created from data. And so operating from that principle, 
we thought one tool by which we could accomplish that means was digital currency. And it was the beginning of 2018. It was quite hot. It looked like it was very fluid, uh, very easy, low overhead, something we could implement with ease. However, shortly after thinking about that, the SEC started to comment on concerns about that space on a number of levels, not the least of which was treating as commodity security utility, and then what oversight mechanisms they would use to make sure people were safe in using those instruments. And so with that concern, and then also as we engaged in market research, individuals felt like it wasn't a trust-based instrument to use. So we, as a team, threw that idea away and very quickly said, okay, what are other means that we could accomplish the imbalance of value? And Bob came up with the SEC idea, which we boldly (laughs) pursued, took us a little longer um, to implement as as a business, but having that precedent-setting move under our belt, we're pretty proud of that, and we we find that to be a trust-based instrument. So that was an example of, I guess you could call a mistake or a failure, but the bright side is if you stay focused on what you're trying to achieve and recognize your tools as just that, something in your tool belt, it's okay to throw away uh, certain tools and, and implement others to achieve the same means. Don, I think that's such a great point. And I want to pause there just for the listeners to digest that and think about what you're doing in your own business. This idea that what is the, is the focus and, and the how the tool should not be your what. And I think that's a really great point to highlight there, Don. And, and yeah, again, you know, so, so one of the things that I'm curious about is now that you've created this, this new way of data for, for shares, are you guys using blockchain to account for that? We are looking into the use of blockchain. We have a couple of partnerships to investigate the utility of the blockchain technology. It is new. Uh, there are a lot of attractive features to the blockchain, but we have a couple of questions we want to answer. So we'll answer those questions in the next few months and make a decision. But the blockchain, for instance, could be used to create a ledger to uh, document share ownership, and it could be used to create a ledger that documents who accesses our database to drive discovery thereby providing transparency to our users and creating sort of a tamper-proof ledger so that people can really see that we're trying to uphold the trust that they're giving us. Yeah, it's fascinating. Truly fascinating, cutting-edge work you guys are both uh, involved in here. Let's take the other side of the coin. Uh, so you, you shared you know, the, the setback that now has become the centerpiece or at least one of the centerpieces to the work that you do. What's one of the proudest examples that you could highlight today? I know it's early on, but uh, what would you want to highlight there as one of the proudest experiences you've, you've had so far? Well, it's an interesting question because I think this was a turning point for me. I spent most of my life in research, uh, technology development, and engineering on genomics tools. And the tools initially helped drive research, really interesting research about the human genome and the genome of important species to humans. However, there was a point in time when Howard Jacobs at the Medical Center of Wisconsin was treating a little boy named Nick Volker. Nick was diagnosed with uh, early onset disease, often called failure to thrive. And many times children go through years of trying to discover what's wrong. This is called the diagnostic odyssey. And then they're giving a diagnosis that really says, I don't know what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And many of these children don't survive. And so... Dr. Jacobs was the first person to sequence one of these children, and he sequenced Nick Volker. He was able to find a, an error in Nick's genome 
that really led to a diagnosis for the disease that was a diagnosis at the molecular level that led to a very specific treatment that was tremendous for Nick. And it allowed Nick to sort of move forward and get over the issues that were contributing to his failure to thrive. And so what he had proven was that for many of these children with early onset diseases causing diagnostic odysseys, there was likely a genomic error that occurred when they were born. And so if you can sequence these children and identify that error, then we can save these children. And many other children were sequenced after this. And now Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego has set up a genomic medicine institute specifically to sequence children like Nick. And so for me, that was a turning point when I realized that we were moving beyond interesting science and we were really moving into how we can help human beings. That's brilliant. And what a great example to highlight the power of this um, precision medicine and, and using the genome to help us better address and diagnose diseases. Tell us about an exciting project or focus that you guys are working on. Obviously, everything, but if you had to zoom in to one particular thing, what would you say that is? I would say that's uh, the Genetic Alliance Partnership, uh, specifically the integration of their peer platform. That's the platform for engaging everyone responsibly. It's award-winning platform that allows any community. It's typically disease communities and patient advocacy groups, but truly in the future, any community can come together for a research question or an opportunity, create study questions, uh, start taking surveys, leverage the Genetic Alliance Institutional Review Board, et cetera, and then start collecting data, both to help themselves on their patient journey, but by collecting data and working with Luna to structure it properly for research, they also have the opportunity to help the next patient. And so we're very excited working to integrate the platforms, listen to all of the 45 disease communities they have on that platform so that we have a system that works for everybody and that it's extensible into the future, again, to help those patients, but also to help the next patient in, in sharing data for research. That is definitely exciting, Don. And, you know, for the listeners, uh, maybe for them to get some clarity and, and a call to action, who are you and your company looking to have uh, outreach from? What companies, what types of individuals? Maybe that's worth highlighting right here as a call to action for folks listening. Sure. We, and philosophically, we believe everyone is unique and they are actually unique when you think about it at a genetic level, but we believe everyone is unique and has something to provide to a platform like this. So historically, research has been retrospective and, and based on understanding why somebody is sick, but wouldn't it be awesome to study why somebody is well and their journey of wellness and when, when and if something goes wrong, being able to study that. So everybody has something to give. This is a consumer-facing platform. However, there are opportunities to work with other businesses and institutions to bring their individuals into the platform. So for example, we are just in discussions with population health programs, clinical labs, academic institutions, even direct-to-consumer product companies who are recognizing that their data stewardship models can maybe better serve humanity by, by working with us and giving individuals the opportunity to permission their data for research. So there'll be some direct-to-consumer outreach, but there'll also be partnerships with institutions to help their individuals make the most of their data. Fantastic. Thanks for clarifying around that. And if they're interested in reaching out and collaborating, where do they do it? 
they can reach right directly to me. I'm happy to work with them and discuss their goals and, and talk about how they can start integrating into the Luna DNA platform. Outstanding. And we'll have a chance, folks, stick around. Uh, we'll have the best way to contact Don and Bob here. Getting into the lightning round, I've got a couple questions followed by a book that both of you would recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think the best way to improve outcomes is to engage the patient, find out what's unique about that patient and that patient's condition, and then define a treatment based on that uniqueness. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think the biggest pitfall to avoid in discovery is the transactional approach to dealing with individuals because you don't get engagement from that individual. And right now you miss a lot of information that you could acquire from that individual. Do they follow the doctor's recommendation? What is the outcome from that treatment? And how do they feel a month later or two months later? And what was the experience that they had through that process? And that's very valuable information that is not being collected today or considered in treating patients. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think Don answered that earlier. We stay focused on what our mission and purpose is, what our vision is to sort of break down these silos, engage individuals, and bring the data together. And we, we are able to pivot as we need to pivot to better accomplish that mission and purpose. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your company? Driving uh, societal value or creating societal value. Love it. And these last two, I'd love for, for both you, Bob, and, and Don to, to share. Uh, the first one is, what is your number one health habit? Some type of daily exercise. Yeah, I'm, I'm vegetarian, so that's my, my health habit. Love it. And what is your number one success habit? I think staying focused on the end goal and being persistent. Quitting guarantees you're going to fail. If you're <laughs> persistent in pursuing success, your chance of uh, being successful goes up by an order of magnitude. Love it. I think your professional and personal passions have to intersect. You have to bring your heart and your brain to work every day. And I think you're in the best position to succeed when you have intertwined personal and professional missions, goals, aspirations, and values. That's a great one, Don. Really love that. So really appreciate y'all getting through the lightning round. You did a fantastic <laughs> job. <laughs> I'm wiping the sweat off my forehead. Now. <laughs> oh, you did. You did awesome. You did awesome. So I appreciate that. Um, it's always fun. So I'd love to hear a book recommendation for the listeners from both of you. It's a, a little old now, but I love the book Abundance by Diamandis and Kotler. I, I think mm. it's what I love about it is, you know, for a lot of us who've worked in technology, you think about the technology and the product and the go-to-market, but, but really what can technology do for society, anchoring it back to the true impact in society. That book does a great job of, of connecting everything to the bigger impact in humanity. It's a great recommendation. I would recommend Homo Deus by uh, Dr. Harari. The book really takes a look at where we are today and how we got here over the last decade and the technologies that sort of drove that progress. And then it basically forecasts out into the future, near term and a little further out. And it gives a provocative look at what our future might look like based on where these technologies are going. And it asks some very important and provocative questions about uh, what we think about that future and what we might do to make it a better future for everyone. 
some great recommendations, Bob and Don. Really appreciate it. Folks, go to outcomesrocket.health and in the search bar, type in Bob and Don or type in Luna PBC. And you're going to find this entire episode there, a full transcript, as well as the short notes and links to all the things we've discussed. Bob and Don, I'd love if you guys can share a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners could get in touch with you or learn more about your work. Sure. So I, I think it's, it's time to invert the research model and, and promote individuals from study subjects to research partners. That, that is a guiding principle of all we're doing there. With technology today in a system like Luna, we can protect privacy and have continuous connection to individuals so that we can start to imagine a stream of, of life data for study. We can do better than the retrospective research that's snapshots of people's history that's put together by, by individuals that aren't them. People are the best curators or their health profile. If you protect their privacy, give them control, transparency, shared attribution, we can invite individuals to really change and accelerate research. This is a community effort. It's gonna take the scope and scale of a community and it's time to bring the community into research in a meaningful way. And I can be reached at uh, dawn at lunadna.com or on Twitter at dawnberrydna. Outstanding. And Bob, what's the best place for folks to follow you? Bob at lunadna or on Twitter at, at Bob Kane. Outstanding. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I know the listeners are probably wondering more. So go to the, go to the page, find out some more about Bob and Don and the company. Luna PBC. It's definitely just scratching the surface. So Bob and Don, thank you both for spending time with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 